Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Amen. Well, we have some exciting news today I want to share with you. First, today is our first day of children's ministry. Praise God. We're very excited about that. Woohoo! Greg and Jonathan are leading that, and we have our little friends personnel with our nursery today, and very excited today. I think the kids did a great job, though, all these weeks um, with an activity here locally, here in the sanctuary with us. I think they were wonderful. It's not easy. Um, as thrilling as my messages are, it's not easy when you're six years old or eight years old or three years old um, to sit uh, for a half an hour. And uh, so we're grateful we have a worship experience for them upstairs, and we're excited about that. Also, something we've been thinking about and praying about, and it's called 633 Pray First Wednesday. And here's what that means. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of stuff happening in our world right now. And it's very, can be very, very troubling. It can make us wonder, what is God doing or what's happening? Is the world out of control? No, the world's not out of control. It's what the Bible predicts. There's going to be difficulties and challenges and all sorts of birth pangs. It's going to lead up to the coming of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that really gets me excited. I, I, I hurt with those who are hurting. Don't get me wrong. I don't take this flippantly. And it's very some very dark things happening in our world. But balance with that, that Jesus Christ has come back. Now, if you read prophecy and you read the Bible, you understand that there will be revival frequently in history, and especially leading up to Jesus coming again. So in light of that, our staff, we've been praying about this, and how do, we, how do we make sure that we're on board, right? How do we not miss this? And so we're going to have special prayer meetings the first Wednesday of every month right here, socially distanced, but praying that God would make us his people usable for this time. See, I don't want to miss revival. I really don't. I think it's the most exciting thing in the world when God starts to move in the hearts of his people to really be his people, and through them, he starts to reach the world in an incredible way. People start coming to Jesus. So I believe that's going to happen. I think it's very likely to happen soon. So we're going to be praying. We'll be doing, all we'll be doing is praying. We'll sing some worship songs, but we're going to be crying out to God. Make us your people. Use us. Help us see what you're doing, because I have to be honest. I don't know about you, but I have missed God's activity a couple times in my life. Well, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. So we're going to be specifically focused on prayer. It's going to be at 633, the first Wednesday of the month. October 7th is the first one. It's going to be very participatory. And uh, if you just want to cry out to God as a church, that's what we're going to be doing. 633 on October 7th. Come and join us. Um, I think it's really going to be special as we set aside time just to pray. 
cry out to God. You'll be directed how to pray. You'll be involved. You'll be participating. All those things will be happening. It's going to be a great time. Julie and I will still do our virtual prayer meeting that we do every week on Wednesday night. We'll be doing those the other Wednesday night. So you can still send in your prayer requests. Please do that. Uh, you can uh, send them to me at steve at fbcdelray.com. Well, today we finish our series called Compelled by Love. And uh, what we're talking about is living a life in light of what Jesus has done, right? We're not just living a life out of duty or out of fear. We're living a life that is compelled, or as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, I want you to live a life that's controlled or compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. And today, the title of our message is Love That Builds a Forever Home for You. Go to the first the, that picture slide, guys, if you could. Um, this is a picture of our kids and some friends of ours as we were about to tour the land of Israel. And the guy in the middle with the Texas shirt on, he was our guide. Now, here's the thing. He was a former Israeli police officer, and he knew all about the land of Israel, all of the places you would want to go. He knew where they were. But when we landed in Tel Aviv, there was this moment where I was supposed to be leading our group and to find our tour guide, and we couldn't find him initially. So imagine you're in a Middle Eastern country, you don't speak the language, and you can't find your guide. It's just a little bit unsettling. We've just flown halfway around the world, and I don't know where my guide is. Because this guy, his name was Lior, he was the key to our trip. He knew where all the places were we were supposed to be staying. He knew how to deliver the great experience around the Sea of Galilee. He, he knew how to make sure we got to where we're going, how we got to the old city, how we walked the Via Dolorosa where Jesus walked, how we experienced all. Without Lior, we'd have just wandered around Tel Aviv for eight days. Maybe got in the Mediterranean. We had to have a guide. And you know what else he did? He kept us from going places we shouldn't go pretty easy in that land to get somewhere you really shouldn't be, to find yourself maybe crossing a border you didn't mean to cross. Here's the thing. We need a guide in our life. And today we're talking about heaven, and we're going to see that Jesus Christ isn't just a set of rules to get to heaven. He is the way to heaven, bodily, personally. It's about Jesus Christ. Without him, we would never, ever find our way in the same way that we would never find our way in Israel without our guide, Lior. Well, today we're looking at John chapter 14, John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. If you have your Bible, please go ahead and get it out. If you have an electronic version of that, get that out. If you're at home, would encourage you to open up your word of God. you say, well, Steve, it's going to be on the screen. It is, but it's really to get in the habit of opening the Word of God and knowing that we are actually preaching out of the Word of God. We're not making stuff up. Uh, we're not uh, getting stuff off the Internet and delivering it to you. We are bringing you the Word of God. We want to proclaim that. That's who we are as people of the Word. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. 
So right away, you ask the question, why were their hearts troubled? Why is Jesus telling them, don't let your heart be troubled? I think before we go any further, we have to ask ourselves that same question. Is your heart troubled today? Is it troubled? Is it troubled? Because Jesus has an answer for that. To know why their hearts were troubled, we have to step back a little bit, and we're going to see that trusting Jesus does heal a troubled heart. Trusting Jesus heals a troubled heart. Trusting Jesus, even in the midst of unbelievable upheaval, which is what the disciples are experiencing. When we trust Jesus, when we lean into him, our hearts, our hearts become peaceful, not troubled. And we're going to see how that works as we go through this. But know this, if your heart is troubled, be careful of looking to anything else. Jesus is calling us to trust in him. We back up a little bit to John 13, 36 to see why their hearts were troubled. John 13, 36, Jesus is explaining to them he's about to go somewhere they can't come. He's about to depart. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Peter claimed he was going to be willing to die for Jesus, but he denies him three times and how Jesus went after him to restore him. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life? For me, truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. This is shocking to them. First, Jesus says, I'm going away, and you can't come where I'm going. Like, what? We left everything to follow you, Jesus. We've, we've trusted everything. All of our, our hopes, our dreams, our careers, our, everything is wrapped up in you, Jesus, and you're going away? but we can follow later, there's just this great disconnect with them that would have been incredibly troubling to their hearts. You're the one we've followed around from village to village. You're the one we've trusted. You're the one that we've seen do amazing things. And you're, you're going away? Why can't we come? What's, what's going on? And to make matters worse, you're telling our, our most powerful leader, Peter, that he's going to fail. That he's going to fail. This is the guy that was the bravest of us all. And he's going to fail? It's a troubling place to be. Have you been there? Jesus, I don't understand what's happening right now. Things are difficult. Things aren't turning out the way I'd hoped they would turn out. I'm concerned about how things are going. It's easy for our hearts to get troubled. We come to a place where we're, going to where we're going to have to trust in Jesus with everything. In that previous verse, verse uh, 14, 1, he says, Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, when we hear that word believe, we often say, well, I don't know what that means. I mean, I believe the facts about Jesus. I believe that he was a real man. I believe that he came to earth. I believe that he died on a cross and rose from the dead. Is that what you mean? That's the basis for belief. 
But real belief means I'm going to trust him with everything that I have. I'm not just believing and saying, I think it's really nice. I'm actually putting all my, all my resources into one hope, which is Jesus Christ. I'm ready to risk everything I have on him. I'm ready to risk my reputation. I'm ready to risk what people think of me. I'm ready to risk all of my, my wealth on Jesus. You believe in the Father, believe in me as well. Trust in me with everything you have. Trusting Jesus heals a troubled heart. And then in verse 2, Jesus continues. He's told them to believe in him, and now he's giving them a real reason. To believe in him. Verse 2. He says, In my father's house are many rooms, or your version may say many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. It sounds kind of odd to us. Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I may be, you, you're going to be also. My Father's house are many rooms. To us, that doesn't quite have the, the push and the excitement to us. Okay, you're going to go, I don't really get it. Well, as you may know, this is bridal language. And this is when a husband would get betrothed or legally bound to a wife. The groom would go and he would prepare a place. Ladies, he would go prepare your new home. He would go, in some cases, build a home. And it would be within his father's tent or his father's house or his father's estate. And it would be specifically prepared for you. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm going away, but I'm committed to you. See, in those days, betrothal was legal commitment. You had to get divorced to break a betrothal, to break an engagement. Jesus is saying, I'm going away just like a husband would go away to prepare a place specifically for you. So he's, there's going to be this space and time where Jesus is not bodily going to be with them, but he's preparing a place to one day take them, and it's going to be spectacular. I love to watch a show, uh, Mediterranean Life. Have you all seen this? On, I think it's on Hulu. And they, they take a couple and they're looking for a home somewhere in the Mediterranean, usually on the French Riviera, the Spanish Riviera, somewhere like that. And uh, they take them. They say, what are you looking for? And they say, well, we're looking for three bedrooms and two baths. And we'd like a view of the Mediterranean. And we'd like a pool or whatever it is. And then the, um, the, the show takes them, the real estate, it takes them to three different homes. And they get to look out over the Mediterranean. They get to see how beautiful it is. And they get to think about which home they would like to live in. But on the show, there's always something that's just not quite right, you know? Well, we love the size of the master, but the bathroom really has only one sink, and that's just not going to work for us, right? Or we love the view, you know, but the, the flooring is just wrong, you know? It just looks like it was from the 50s or something, you know? We just, or there's no room for our kids. There's something not quite right. Let me tell you. When Jesus prepares a place for you, it's exactly right. It's exactly amazing for you. And you may say, well, Steve, I just can't wrap my head around that. Because all I know of heaven is harps 
and togas and clouds, and that just really doesn't look like any fun to me. Amen, I hear you, and I agree. If that's all there is, I'm afraid I'm going to fail miserably. Um, that's not what it's like. Just for a couple of minutes, we're going to take a peek in, okay? We're going to take a peek into heaven from Revelation, and we're going to see what heaven is really like. Revelation 21.1 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And let me just stop right there. Don't you love that God starts with something we can see and can't understand? The Bible doesn't say, Then I saw a new cloud and a new toga. Amen? It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I understand have I understand earth. I understand the sky. So start there and think of the Garden of Eden. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Wow, there's that bridal language again. You see, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a part of the bride. You're who he's preparing us for. Because I saw I saw, him coming, I saw the bride coming down, ready for her husband, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. There's a lot there, but let me just pick out a couple of key things. The dwelling place of God is with man, with humans. Being in heaven is being with Jesus. Being with heaven is being with Jesus. People all the time will say, man, I can't wait to go to a better place. I can't wait till I'm not going to have any of these problems. I'm not going to have any pain. But I want you to say one of the, the greatest things, you're going to be with the greatest person ever. I mean, think of the most wonderful person you'd like to be with, the most wonderful person you'd like to have lunch with today, and the most wonderful person you'd like to spend this way better is Jesus. And he's going to be with you. See, being in heaven is being with Jesus. So think about that in your daily life before we go any further. What would it be like to live with Jesus every day. And you'd be looking forward to that. He says he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. People say, will there be tears in heaven? I think initially there might be. We may be tearful over the life that we lived or the mistakes that we made. We may be tearful for those who aren't there. But he says Jesus is going to wipe away those tears. You'll see it from his perspective. The sadness in the morning will be gone. Your grieving will be over. Death will be no more. No more mourning or crying or pain. And he's making all things new. As I get older, I really appreciate that last phrase. I know I look great for being 105, but I'm really looking forward to being, having all things new. Amen? Life in heaven is life with Jesus. And I won't read it, but you can read the next section of verses that talks about 
the jewels that are encrusting the walls. This will be, the new Jerusalem, the city where we will live, will be incredibly beautiful. Just mind-blowingly beautiful. It'll be extremely safe and secure. You won't be fearful of someone coming and taking something or harming you. And it's going to be huge, incredibly large. The Bible says, and you can always wonder about measurements in the Bible. Are these, are these literal? Are they spiritual? But the Bible wants us to understand these are, this is a huge place. The new city is 1,400 miles on a side and 1,400 miles high. That's incredible. So if you just look at the area without looking at the, at the height, the area is 19.7 million square miles. The city of Delray is 16.9 square miles, just to give you an idea. So like a million times larger than the city of Delray plus, right? And if you think of the height, it's 2.7 billion cubic miles. There's a lot of room in heaven. There's a lot of spaces that Jesus is preparing. He loves us that much to prepare an incredible place for you. Revelation 21:22 says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. There's a sense of God's glory is lighting the whole place up. You don't need a temple anymore. Because everyone has access to God. See, back in the day, the temple was the connection with God. In heaven, you're going to have a connection with God. You don't need a building. Right now, you are the temple of God, right? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. But there'll be no need for churches or places like that because God himself will make himself available to you. You will live with him. For some of you might be saying, well, that's a little scary because I don't know if I can live in his presence all the time yes yeah, you, you should be practicing now incidentally because he's very aware of everything that's going on right now you're not really hiding anything from him anyway you're kind of probably thinking man can i just i'm a i'm an introvert and i just like to have a room where no one bothers me for a while right don't worry you'll be fine we need to understand that we live in the presence of god now in those days you will see him face to face he'll be incredibly present and it'll be amazing Verse 24 through 27, Revelation 21 says this, By its light all the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory to it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it for anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing detestable will ever enter it. Nothing sinful, nothing filthy, nothing dirt, nothing like that is ever going to enter it. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, it's all right to sin a little bit. That's Get ready for heaven. Start to desire this purity that Jesus is going to give us in heaven. Wouldn't it be great if there was no sin? See, in our world, there's this idea, well, that's silly. You should embrace some evil. No, 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 don't. I want to embrace Jesus Christ and I want him to deal with my evil so that I can enjoy living with him forever. 
I can be around him and I can celebrate this great purity that there is going to be in his presence. Some of you may be wondering, well, in heaven, will there be any food to eat? Because I'm getting hungry thinking about it. I love the way God answers that question. Revelation 22, 1 and 2 says this. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the streets of the city also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Isn't that amazing? So there's, remember the tree of life? Genesis 1 and 2. The tree of life is what Adam and Eve had to be kept from so they didn't live forever in their sin. Here's what he's saying. There is going to be a tree of life. You're going to have access to life eternal. And it's going to have at least 12 kinds of fruit, which I don't know what that's going to taste like. I think one of them, one of the fruit is going to taste like a filet mignon. Another one like a lobster, probably. Another one like some good mahi or grouper finger, something like that. That's what I'm thinking. And you're just going to be able to go down to the mahi tree and grab one of those anytime you're really hungry. The picture, seriously, is of constant nourishment you're going to need. And this water, this living water that's going to be present always. Um, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about heaven? It's a real place. It will be like a perfect earth, only with a perfect home built for you within it. That's how much Jesus loves you. And Jesus says this in verse 4, back to John 14. He says, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas, my favorite disciple, because I was, my name is Thomas, but... Uh, Thomas asked the obvious question. Uh, excuse me. Jesus, I know everyone is worshiping you and you're really excited about this whole thing right now, but I have a very practical question. I don't see where this shows up on my GPS. I've been entering this place on my phone and I don't see how to get there. Thomas says, this Lord, <laughs> we do not know where, we, where you're going. How can we know the way? We don't know where this is. We just landed in Israel and we can't find our guide. How are we going to find the kibbutz we're going to stay on in the Sea of Galilee? How are we going to get our next meet? We don't understand it. There's no, how do we get there? You know, we all ought to be Thomas. So many people today think they know the way. The most important question you could ever answer is what happens after death? And so many people say, well, I'm not really sure, but I know it's going to be better than this. Do you? Do you? So many people will say, I know heaven's going to be great, certainly for the world religions. Muslims feel like if you can be good enough, you're going to get there, but no one tells you how good you really have to be. Hindus believe that you just you're you're get good enough, you're going to come back as something better until you ultimately get to paradise. Again, it's how good do I have to be? And you have to find this, this path somehow. No one tells you really how to get there. So many people and so many of our friends here locally um, who were raised Jewish will say, you know, well, I know I've just got to be better than people around me and I've got to be good. Thomas asked the question, 
how do we get there? You know, we should all be like Thomas because no one can find the way to heaven on their own. No one. It's way harder to find than all the great sites in Israel. We had to have a guide to show us how to get there. We'll never find heaven without Jesus. And then Jesus delivers the, the verse that all of you know. Verse 6, he says this. Jesus said to him, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. What he is saying is that the way to the Father is not a method or a mantra or a set of rules or a race or an ethnicity. The way is a person. The way is Jesus. The way is Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am the way. I'm the way to get there. I'm your guide. Many of you know one of my favorite uh, stories of going to ball games. We like to go see the Cardinals play when they play the Marlins. And as you all know, Marlins tickets, what, they give them to you for free or they pay you for taking them or something. Um, I think they're getting better. They're getting much better. So maybe this year. But one time we went down, didn't have any tickets. Why do you need tickets? You buy them from some dude in the parking lot, right? That's, that's how it works. And we saw a guy in the parking lot. He said, hey, uh, how many tickets do you need? I said, I need five. And he said, great, follow me. What could happen, right? So followed him. And I said, well, let me pay you. No, pay me when we get in. Okay. Good. And so we walk in. He gets us in. And he, I said, well, can I have the tickets? He goes, no, you're not going to get a ticket. What? He said, just follow me. I said, if you want your tickets, they're up there in left field at the highest part of the stadium where you can't really see anything. But I can arrange for you to sit behind home plate. Great. Got to love Miami, don't you? Um, and uh, so I'm like, okay. I. So we walk in, and we're going to sit right behind home plate where the, where the families of the team sit, which is totally vacant which is another testament to the greatness of the Marlins. And we walk up, and he looks at the usher, and he says to the usher, these people are with me. And sure enough, he goes, okay, and we walk right in. Now, as shady as that is, admittedly, I didn't break any laws, I don't think, but uh, that's what Jesus is going to do for you. You're going to walk up to heaven. And you're not going to walk by yourself. Jesus Christ is going to walk with you. And he's going to say, Brian, Brian's with me. Joe's with me. Don's with me. It's only because of Jesus that anybody gets in. He's the way. He's the way. Do you know Jesus well enough to trust him with everything? Do you know Jesus well enough to trust him with everything? You know, some people will say, you know, Steve, I met Jesus sometime back there. I met him. Had a cool experience. Maybe even got baptized. I met him, but I hadn't seen him lately. 
hadn't been around him lately. Can you imagine if when our family went to Israel and we just met the guide and then we all just went our separate ways? You know what I mean? Oh, we have a guide. His name is Lior. He's, he's in Tel Aviv or Joppa or somewhere, but we decided we just wanted to hang out at the Mediterranean. You know, we're just going to go find stuff and see what there is. Maybe they got bagels, which incidentally they don't. Terrible thing about Israel. Uh, I don't understand it. I was looking for a great bagel. No bagels. They got these big flat things. I don't know what they are. But I was so excited to get back to Florida and get a real Jewish bagel. It was awesome. Um, they do have a lot of other good food. But imagine when you said, hey, I met him. I met my guide. He's there somewhere. If I need him, I can call him. Hey, Lior, dude, did you have a good place I could find some falafel or something? Is that how it is with you and Jesus? You met him, but you keep leaving him. You keep going off and doing life, and then eventually, maybe every week even, you come back to him and say, Jesus, can you help me? I'm lost again. I wandered across some border I wasn't supposed to be in, and maybe I'm even in jail now. Do you know him well enough to trust him with everything? Do you know him that well? You see, Jesus has prepared an ideal place for you. You need to trust him to lead you there. Following Jesus is not a one-time event. Say, well, Steve, I thought that if I was once saved, always saved. Yeah, once you start on the path, if you've really started on the path, you won't leave the path. But a lot of people, they don't really get started. They just have an experience, and they don't know why they can't find Jesus anymore. Following Jesus is a daily walk. It's a daily journey, and it's a wonderful journey. It doesn't mean you'll never fail. It doesn't mean you'll never stray off the path. It just means that my life is built around following Jesus because I know him well enough to trust him with everything. Because you've met Jesus does not mean you know the way. Because you follow Jesus, you know the way only because you know Jesus. See, he's made himself available to us today. And I know what you're asking. Well, Steve, what's the practicality of this? What's the mechanics of this? Or as an engineer, I'd say, what do we got to do, right? Give me the formula. Give me something. Let me just give you some encouragement here in this way. Jesus said, I'm the way, which means you need to live as close to him as possible. Live as close to him as possible, which means you need to read this a lot. A lot. You say, well, I don't really know what to read. Let's start in the gospel. Read the gospel of John. And I would say it is a benefit just to read it and just read as much as you have time for. Consume God's word. Be a part of a church that actually preaches God's word. And so you can know people who are actually following Jesus. This is not a Lone Ranger sport. This is not the U.S. Open. This is the NFL. Amen. Today, 1 o'clock, Dolphins going to win big. Right, amen? Okay, sorry. I just want to throw that in. Um, say, Pastor, that doesn't sound godly at all. You've just totally distracted me. I don't even know what to think about now. Now what am I going to do till 1 o'clock? I don't know. Read God's Word. That would be a great thing. They'd be ready to watch the NFL. So, um, 
I think Brian Flores is the man, incidentally. Um, you can't live close to Jesus if you don't know anybody who's following Jesus. You need to be a part of a small group, a life group. You need to know his word, spend time in prayer, live as close to him as you possibly can. You say, I don't know if I have time. Listen, do you have time to, to stream Netflix? You've got time for Jesus, right? You have time to go shopping. You you have time for you have time for a playgroup. You have time for Jesus. See, this is the most important thing in the world. The most important thing is that you live close to Jesus, and really, all these things fit together: the way, the truth, and the life. Live as close to Jesus as you can. Make His truth your truth. I get so tired of people saying, well, you know, that's your truth. Well, you know, this is my truth. Listen, I don't care about any of that. All I care about is it Jesus' truth. Say, so what do you mean? His truth about me, that I'm a sinner, that he had to die for me. That's why we just had the Lord's Supper to remember that I'm pathetic. I have no right to be saved. I am not in good. Oh, but Jesus, his truth about me is that, Steve, you needed me to die for you. And I paid the price for you. How does that feel? That someone would love you that much, that the God of the universe would love you that much. You see, you've got to make his truth your truth. It's the most important truth in any setting, in any era, but certainly today, it's the only truth that saves. You can have the right opinion about everything in the, in the whole world right now, what everyone thinks is right, which no one agrees on, incidentally. But if you don't have the truth of Jesus, it doesn't matter. You're still going to what we talked about last week, which is hell. Make Jesus' truth your truth. Is it your truth? And then finally, live as Jesus lived. How would Jesus live if he was you, living in your shoes today? How would he act? What lifestyle would he have? What things would he do? What would he not do? Who would he care about? How would he love? See, Jesus has prepared an incredible place for you. Will you let him lead you there? This morning, you may be saying, Steve, you know, I know I'm Adam, and I've, I've kind of been hit and miss. I want to drive a stake in the ground right now. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. There may be some things you need to repent of and turn from. I don't want to live that way anymore. There may be some things that you chronically struggle with. And you may say, you know, Steve, I, I follow Jesus, but I continue to mess up in this way. You know, join the club, right? Join the club. Don't let that discourage you. Lean into Jesus. Whatever happened this week, you can come to him and say, Jesus, I want to live a repented life, a life that depends on you, that leans into you, that trusts you with absolutely everything. Can you do that today? Some of you may say, Steve, you know, I don't know if I've ever done that. I've lived a pretty good life. I've known about Jesus. But I don't know that I've ever said to him, Jesus, I want your blood to count for my sin. Would you... Save me from my sin. Would you forgive me today? If that's you today, would you? We're going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer. And if that's you today, I would love to hear from you. You can talk to me today, or you can email me at steve at fbcdelray.com. I want to connect. 
Again, following Jesus is not a one-time event. It's following him to the great things he's prepared for you. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.